good to be here. Uh, give honor and glory to God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Uh, Pastor John, thank you, brother, for such a kind introduction. And uh, can we give the Lord a great hand clap this morning for that praise and worship? That was awesome. Amen. Wow. Well, again, Pastor John, thank you for your hospitality this morning. Not only you, the entire uh, Southbridge family. To Pastor Scott, I love Pastor Scott. He uh, is a dear brother in Christ, as you already know. And uh, he's one of my biggest encouragements. And so I love that guy. And uh, I'm just so thankful that he uh, loves me and trusts me to come and to stand here in his absence. Um, and it always is a blessing to be here at Southbridge uh, Fellowship, and I feel at home, and uh, thank you all. I've seen so many familiar faces as we mingled before the service, and uh, it's great to see you, and uh, glad to be here with you to worship the Lord. I want us to turn to a familiar passage of Scripture, I believe, to, to many. It's Isaiah chapter 40, and this morning I want to ask you a question as we approach the text this morning. Have you ever felt neglected by God. I'm sure we all can raise our hand or say amen to that, that there have been times in our life where uh, we have felt neglected by God. There have been times in our life where uh, we felt that maybe God wasn't paying attention to us. Maybe he didn't hear our prayers like we thought he should. Maybe he hadn't moved on our behalf or in our situation like we thought uh, God should. Maybe our situation or our circumstances haven't changed and we've been praying and asking God to move and to, to bless, yet there's no change. And maybe this morning you would say there are times in your life uh, where it seems like God is silent. That he doesn't understand what's going on in your life. And it seems like he doesn't see what you're going through. And it's almost like that this is the way we feel, that, that God has forgotten that we even exist. And we've all been there. Some of you are there right now. Some of you, if we were to go around the room, you would say, yeah, Pastor Pete, amen, I'm there right now. Other, other, others of us have been there, maybe a few months back or a few weeks back or maybe as little as a few days back, maybe you say, yeah, I was there. And maybe you'll be here this morning, you'll say, well, I haven't just come from there and I'm not there now. Here's the news, you will be there. You will be there one day. And so I pray that, that God will just use this message to, 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 to put it in our hearts and our minds this morning. So if we are there or if we've just been there or if we're on our way there, we'll really know how much God cares. Because there's sometimes in this Christian world where we feel like God is just silent. When we feel like he doesn't understand, that, he does, that he's unaware of what we're going through. And, and we're almost like at a breaking point in our faith. And maybe, maybe it's a job situation to make it practical. And maybe you've prayed and prayed and looked for opportunities. Maybe you're in a situation where you feel like you need to get out of that situation. Yet it seems like God doesn't hear and doesn't see. Maybe it's a situation in your health. And maybe you've been to doctors and got diagnosis and you've tried different things and yet it doesn't seem like uh, anything is getting better. And, and you wonder, does God really even care? Maybe it's a relationship. 
Maybe you're in a relationship that's a difficult relationship. It could be a marriage or, 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 or maybe some kind of dating situation. And maybe you've lifted this relationship up to the Lord and, 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 and you've asked him to change and to move and to heal and to reconcile. And yet there's, there's no difference. And you feel like maybe God really doesn't understand. He doesn't get me. He doesn't know what I'm going through. And we could go on and on and on. It can even happen in ministry where you're faithful, you're serving, you're, you, you, you're leading, you're loving, you're teaching, you're preaching, you're counseling, you're sharing. And yet there's really no fruit to all this hard work that you are displaying in your ministry. In fact, maybe it's just the opposite. Maybe there's no growth. There's no, no, no people coming to Christ. And you wonder, in the midst of that, does God really understand what I'm going through? Has anybody ever been there? Yeah, we all have, hadn't we? And what can happen when we get to that point is this. Discouragement and despair can set in. And then in the midst of, of that, we become weary. We become tired. We become exhausted. We, 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 we get zapped of our strength. And listen, this is where God's people were in Isaiah chapter 40. This is where they were. They, they were discouraged. They were in despair. And they felt like, what's up with God? I mean, God hasn't moved. He hasn't changed anything. He hadn't blessed. He hadn't opened up doors. What's up with God? And in the midst of this, they were fatigued. They were weary. They were tired. And that's where we find them in Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 27. If you have a Bible, certainly turn there. Uh, I think it'll also be on our screen this morning. Because we see God's people at a breaking point. And listen to what Isaiah says to God's people. He says in verse 27, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Let me stop right there just for a second, because that verse lays the context. That verse really tells us what's going on. Israel felt like that, that God, uh, uh, their way was hidden from God. Listen to the verse again. My way is hidden from the Lord. In other words, they felt like they were going through, but God didn't even see what they were going through. Why is my way hidden from the Lord, they say. And then they say at the end of verse 27, and my just claim is passed over by my God. In other words, God's just passing us over. He doesn't see. He doesn't care. He's just skipping over us. This is where they were. And Isaiah begins to encourage them. And it's interesting to me in, in verse 27, when you read this in the Hebrew, the, he, the, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The Hebrew uh, would read this verse like this. It would say, why do you keep saying, O Jacob? And why do you keep speaking, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. And so this was their story. This is what they were constantly saying and feeling about God. God keeps passing us over. God doesn't see. God keeps passing us over. God doesn't see. They constantly were saying this. And in the midst of this, Isaiah encourages, encourages them. God, Isaiah gives them words of comfort, not condemnation. Isaiah gives them words of reassurance, not words of rebuke. And listen to what he says beginning in verse 28. And here he begins to 
take their attention off of themselves and put it on God. And here Isaiah begins to show them how awesome and how great God is. Listen to what he says. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and those who have no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Verse 31, the verse we, many of us know. But those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's what Isaiah tells them in the midst of them feeling like God had, had not seen. In the midst of them feeling like God had just sort of passed over them, skipped uh, uh, around them. He points them back to God. And it's interesting to me that, that when we're discouraged and when we're, when we're in despair and when we feel uh, uh, this, this weariness and this spiritual fatigue, it's because we've lost sight of the great God that we serve. And so notice, we're going to see three things here that you and I can uh, uh, have in terms of finding strength when we're weary. Finding strength when we're tired and worn out and, and exhausted. And it, and it comes by understanding who God is and what God provides for you and I, his people. Now, here's the three things. Uh, here's the first thing. You and I can find strength in the person of God. When, you, when we're tired and when we're weary, when we're just worn out and we're at a breaking point in our faith, Isaiah points us to who God is. Isaiah points us to the person of God, and we can find strength in the person of God. Notice again what he says. I love this. He says in verse 28, have you not known? Have you not heard? Isaiah asked this rhetorical question. He's not expecting an answer necessarily. But, but again, he wants to point our attention to who God is. And it's interesting to me that they had known about God. They were God's people. They knew God. They had known about God. They had had a history with God. So when Isaiah asked this question, have you not known, it wasn't because he didn't think they didn't know. He knew they knew who God was. But maybe in the midst of their discouragement and their despair and in their weariness, they just forgot. They just forgot. And so what Isaiah is doing is simply this. He's reminding them of the God they already know. He's reminding them of the God that they have a history with, that they had walked with. He says, have you not known? He says, secondly, have you not heard? Of course they had heard about God. Of course they had been taught. Of course they understood the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Noah, and Moses, and, and all those great Old Testament saints that we read about. They, they, they had heard the story. And it was like in the midst of their despair and their discouragement and their weariness that maybe they just forgot. And so what Isaiah is doing is simply this, reminding them of what they'd already known about God and heard about God. And here's my struggle sometimes, y'all. 
just to be a little bit transparent here. Sometimes when I'm in the midst of a struggle, it's, it's, I don't have a knowledge problem. I don't have a knowledge problem. I don't, my, my problem isn't that I hadn't been taught in the past and, and that I hadn't heard great things about God. Here's my problem. In the midst of my struggle, I forget how, God, how great God is. I forget the God that I've known. I forget the God that I've heard about all these years and have grown to know. You see, here's the thing. Sometimes we want new information about God in the midst of our struggle. And it's like Isaiah saying this. I'm not going to give you new information. You, you know. And I'm not going to tell you anything new. You've already heard. But what I am going to do is just remind you of the God that you know and that you've heard about. Because if you can get your focus on him, and off yourself, you'll find strength in the midst of your weariness. So Isaiah, as he begins to tell them they can find strength in the person of God, he asks them these two questions. And then notice what he does after that. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard? And then he begins to give them some names of God. We only have three in this text. He gives three names of God as we, as we think about finding strength in his person. Listen to what he says. He's the everlasting God. The Hebrew word for everlasting God is Elohim Olam. And Elohim Olam identifies God as the eternal God, the everlasting God. The ancient of days, the one who is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the one who has always existed, the one who is the eternal God. You see, our God is not a Johnny come lately. Our God is the everlasting God. Our God has always existed. Our God will always exist. He is the everlasting God. And because he's everlasting, he has no beginning, he has no end, and you can take a line and draw it from infinity to infinity, and when you come to the end of infinity, there you'll find God. Our God is awesome. And in the midst of discouragement, in the midst of despair, in the midst of I'm worn out and I feel like God doesn't hear and he doesn't see, Isaiah says, watch this. Look at your God. He is the everlasting God. He's the everlasting God. He is the one who is eternal. And don't you know that the eternal God sees and knows all? Don't you know that the eternal God is concerned about you and what you're going through? Don't you know the eternal God who has always existed cares greatly for you? And Isaiah reminds us of who God is and we find strength in his person. And we see his person through his names. He's the everlasting God. But notice what he says secondly about God uh, in terms of his name. He is the Lord, verse uh, uh, 28 tells us he is the Lord. He's the everlasting God and he is the Lord. The word uh, Lord here is Jehovah, the Hebrew word. And Jehovah identifies the Lord as the self-existent one. In other words, God doesn't depend on any other thing to exist. He is self-existent. He is the Lord. He doesn't need to be sustained by any 
other. He is the self-existent one. And it speaks of his greatness. Every other being in our universe depends upon something uh, for its existence except God. God depends on no one. He exists within himself, by himself, and for himself. God is awesome, you all. And in the midst of your discouragement, in the midst of your despair, in the midst of being tired and weary, Isaiah says, look, find strength in God's person. We see his person in his name. He is the everlasting God. He's always existed. And look at the second thing about him. He is the Lord. He exists all by himself for himself. Glory to God. And this is the God that we get strength from. The one that, if you came to me and said, uh, Pete, um, I got a need and... Um, you know, I might need about $1,000 right now. I would go to my buddy Joel Elder in the back or Steve Trexler in the back. And I'd say, hey, I need to um, get about $1,000 because I got somebody over here that needs $1,000 for me. I would have to go and borrow that money from them in order to give it to you because I don't have it. And think about this. When we need strength, we can come to God because he is the awesome God. There's none other like him. And we can say, God, I need strength. And God doesn't say, hold on, let me go over here and see if my buddy's got, got strength, and I'll get some from him to give to you. No, he's the self-existent one. And he has all power and strength. He is the Lord. Find strength in his person. We see his person in his names. He's, he is the everlasting God. He is the Lord. But then Isaiah gives us a third name. He is the creator in verse 28. The creator of the ends of the earth. The name creator, the word creator here is the name Elohim. And it identifies God as the one who made everything. And get this, you know the story of Genesis. When God made this world, he made it out of nothing. Now, if I were going to make something, you know what I would do? I would drive down to Lowe's or Home Depot, and I would uh, 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 buy the materials to make whatever it is I was going to make, right? You would do the same. But God, when he created this world, he didn't say, okay, I'm going to create a world, so let me go over here to Lowe's or Home Depot and, and, and buy the materials to create the world. But what he did was, according to Genesis' account, he spoke the world into existence. He said, let there be light, and boom, the lights came on. He said, let there be darkness, just the word of his mouth, and boom, the lights went off. He created the entire universe, the entire world, through his spoken word. And Isaiah gives us this picture of the creator. And listen to me. If God, think about this, if God can just speak this world into to existence. Don't you think that God can give you an eye strength when we're weary? I mean, a God that awesome who can just say, let there be light, boom, the lights came on. Let there be darkness, it, the lights went off. Let there be the sea and, and the division between the land and the sea, and it happened. Don't you think that God can give you an eye strength? We can find strength in the person of God. We see his names, but notice his nature real quickly. In verses 28 and 29, we see a little bit about God's nature here. Notice what it says. 
God, verse 28, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. We see here that God neither faints nor is weary. Weary is what happens to you and I when we get discouraged. Weary is what happens to you and I in our discouragement and despair. We get to the point of exhaustion. But that never happens to God. And it never happens to God because his strength has no limits. He never tires. Get this. He never gets exhausted. Get this. God never gets fatigued. His tank never runs out of gas. He never grows weary in his labors. God never gets tired. In fact, go and read Psalm 121 sometime. It won't necessarily shine here on our screen, but listen to what uh, the psalmist says about God and his awesomeness. It says this, I will lift my eyes to the hill from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. That's the word Jehovah, the Lord who made, there's the creator, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. So God doesn't need to take a nap. I took a nap yesterday, by the way, y'all. It was about three hours. It was awesome. (laughs) I've been getting up pretty early, you know. um, uh, Our daughter just got a new job. She's got to be there like at uh, uh, six in the morning, so we get up like at, at five and get her to work, and we're going to get her a car hopefully soon. But anyway, so, man, I, I find myself getting a little bit earlier, and I find myself tired. So yesterday, y'all, I was watching TV, and in about five minutes, TV was watching me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> tired. But the psalmist says here, God doesn't, he who keeps you, he keeps you and I. He will not slumber. He doesn't need to take a nap. God doesn't say, man, I'm tired. Gosh, I've been, I've been taking care of my people and watching over them. and I'm just exhausted. I'm going to go take me a nap. Hey, angels, would you guys just make sure everything's okay? I'm going to take about a three-hour one, and I'll wake up, and I'll be back on. on. God doesn't need to take a nap. He doesn't slumber. Behold, it says, Psalm 121, verse 4, he who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. So not only does he not take a nap, he doesn't even need to go to sleep because God is that awesome. We see his nature. He's a God who never tires, never needs a nap, never needs sleep. But notice this, secondly, as we look at his nature, his understanding, no one can fathom. This means that his knowledge and his understanding has no limits. His understanding, in other words, goes far beyond what we can comprehend. The Hebrew, the Hebrew here gives a picture of a deep well. And you look into this deep well, and this deep well has no bottom, or, or, or you don't know where the bottom is. You just look into it, and it's a deep well. The Hebrew gives the picture of maybe a black hole in outer space, and this black hole has no ending. Think about the deepest ocean. I've been told that the Indian Ocean is the deepest ocean, and there are places in the Indian Ocean where they don't know how deep it is. And God's knowledge is that. It's so deep. His understanding is is, is beyond what we can comprehend. We we, we don't know where the bottom of it is. It's so deep that we can't grab a hold of it in our minds. And again, think about this. When you think God doesn't know what's going on with you and me, the psalmist reminds us his very nature. He's a God whose understanding and what he knows 
blows our mind. It's like a deep well that has no bottom. It's like a, it's like a deep ocean that, to where you cannot find the bottom. It's like a black hole that, that has no end. And God knows you all. And we can find strength in a God like that. Take your eyes off of you, your discouragement, your weariness, your, your tiredness, and you put it on a great God. An awesome God who's awesome as we see it in his names. Who's awesome as we see it in his nature. That's the first point. Second point, find strength in the, in, in the person of God. But then second, find strength, you and I can find strength in the provision of God. Look at verse 29. It says, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Look at what God does for his people when they're in the midst of weakness. Look at what God does for his people when they have no power and strength. I highlight this in my notes here. He gives, just that phrase, he gives, verse 29, power to the weak. And those who have no might, watch this, he increases strength. In other words, God provides all we need to live the life that's set before us, this Christian life. He's, he gives us the strength we need to, to, to live it in such a way that would honor and glorify him. He himself provides the strength and the might and the power that we need. And here's my struggle too sometimes. Sometimes I hate to admit it, sometimes I try to do it in my own strength, particularly when it comes to ministry. I've been doing this for quite a long time, like your pastors have as well. And sometimes in, I, 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 I try because I'm familiar with, with, with ministry, that familiarity can cause me just to kind of walk in my own strength. And let me tell you what happens when you walk in your own strength. It will produce, first of all, frustration. You walk in your own strength long enough, you will become frustrated. Second thing will happen, if you walk in your own strength and not God's, you will, it will produce failure. You will eventually fail. But the third thing that will happen, it will produce fatigue. It will produce fatigue. You'll just be worn out. And there have been times where in ministry, I have tried to do it in my own strength. And this verse tells me about a God who is so awesome, who provides strength to his, to his people. He gives strength. He increases might. And so if he increases might, then I think we ought to accept his strength. We ought to ask God, God, give me strength. I need your power. I can't do it on my own. Would you, by your Holy Spirit, give me power and strength? And we ought to ask for strength, but then we ought to accept his strength, that he gives it to us. But so often we're like the little boy who, who was helping his father do this total makeover in their yard. And so they were going to bring in sod and do major landscaping, put in bushes. And so 
They were going to do the preliminary work and remove rocks and sticks and lamb in the pile and that kind of thing. And so this little boy, five or six years old, wanted to help his dad. And so he comes out to the yard, and, and, and his dad's moving sticks and putting them in the pile. So he grabs a stick, puts it in the pile, grabs another one, puts it in the pile. And then they begin to pick up all the rocks and stuff that are in the yard. And so they put them in a pile over here to move them away. And then there's this big old rock in the yard, and the little boy wanted to impress his dad, and he wanted to move the big rock. And dad, his dad would be really proud. So he goes over and he, 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 he grabs the rock and all his might, all his strength, and he's str- he can't move it. So he steps up, kind of adjusts himself, wipes the sweat off his brow, you know, and looks at it a little bit. And so he decides to get on the other side and get his back into it. And he lifts it like this and tries to, and he, can, and he can't move it. I mean, he's straining with all of his might. So he stands up and he's breathing hard and, you know, he's looking at it. He studies it a little bit more. So he goes to the other side and then tries to, maybe he can roll it, you know, and if he can just get really up under it good, he can just roll it and, and, and he can't move. And his dad is over here kind of looking from a distance. And he keeps straining and his dad's just watching. So finally his dad comes over and he says this, son, have you used all of your strength? And the little boy said, dad, I'm using all my strength. Watch this. So he grabbed it again and he's trying to move it. And he can't move it. And his dad said, no, no, son, no, no, you don't understand. Have you used all of your strength? He said, dad, I am. Watch this. I even put my backside on. So he tries that again, and, 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 he, and he can't move. And he says, no, 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 son, you don't understand. Have you used all of your strength? He says, dad, I'm using all my strength. Watch, I'm even trying to roll it. And so he tries to roll it again. And his dad said, son, have you used all of your strength? And the son said, dad, I don't understand. I'm using all of my strength. So that's the problem. You're using all of your strength. But I'm standing right here, and you haven't asked me to help. And how often are our lives like that? We feel like, we, I got this. I got this. I got it. And God's like, no, you don't got it. You need me. And if you come to me, I will provide the strength you need to do what you've been calling, called to do. And we ought to accept his strength. But then we ought to expect God's strength. Notice down in verse 31. Skip down there real quickly. But those who wait on the Lord. The word wait here, a better translation, if you have an NIV Bible, that's probably a better translation from the original Hebrew language. Because uh, wait kind of implies that you're just kind of looking at your watch, maybe tapping your finger like, okay, when is God going to show up here? I'm, I'm waiting, okay? But hope, the word hope is a better translation because the Hebrew would suggest that we have this hopeful, eager expectation that God is going to give us strength. And there's this, this eagerness, there's this excitement, there's this, man, I'm really expecting God to come through and give me the strength I need. It's almost like Christmas. Back in the day when I grew up, my parents overdid it when it came to Christmas. I mean, we might have like 20 gifts under the tree. I mean, you know, and uh, my kids are going, man, we need to go back to those days because y'all kind of cheap, you know. But, but we knew our parents loved, my, my, three, my two brothers and I was three of us, we knew our parents loved us, and we knew that Christmas time came, Christmas tree, that would be like gifts under the tree. And so what did we do? It changed our whole approach to waiting for Christmas. We didn't wait for Christmas like this. Well, I wonder if our parents are going to come through this year. 
I wonder if we're going to even get anything this year. Probably not. They probably will. Well, maybe they'll give us a pair of underwear and a pair of socks, and that'll be about it. And, and, and we didn't have low expectations, you know what I'm saying? We were like, oh, boy, am I going to get, you know, that Nintendo? Or I'm going to get those skates. Or I mean, there was this hopeful expectation that, that you had, and, and you just couldn't wait, and, and then you were hopeful and eager, and that's the word there. So let me ask you a question. When you are waiting on God's strength, when you're waiting for God to come through, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job, or whether whatever it is, do you have that sense of, man, God's going to do something. He's going to do something great. Oh, I'm just waiting for God to move. And when he moves, oh, wow, I just I mean, is that your heart? So often the reason why we're discouraged, we really don't expect God to do anything. We really don't expect that God's going to come through with his strength. And Isaiah says, wait on the Lord. Hope in the Lord. There's this eager expectation of God's strength. Find strength in the provision of God. Then finally, find strength in the power of God. Notice what he says, and we'll bring this thing down. He says, verse 29, he gives power to the weak, and those who have no might, he increases strength. Verse 30. He says, even youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. In other words, even young people get tired. How many young people in the building today? Raise your hand if you consider yourself a young person. Yeah, everybody's going to raise their hand, right? How many, let's say, under 25 in the building? Raise your hand. Look at that. All right, look at that. Yeah. I got a friend right here, Roshan. I'm almost 50. Roshan's like 21. And Roshan always calls me the old man. <laughs> and he'll say, like, I got really bad knees, so I can't play basketball as well as I used to. And so the last time we played basketball, actually maybe it was the time before that, we just played recently together. And uh, he'll, he'll talk about how I'm too old to play and my knees are bad. I can't see when I take off these glasses, you know. I'm slow and, and that kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Just wait, though. <laughs> just wait. Just wait. You're getting old too, buddy. But here's the reality. Even young people get tired. Even young people get tired. In other words, all of us, there are times in our life where we need God's strength. And it's interesting. He says even youths get tired and the young men. Here, here, listen to this. I love the Hebrew in all of this. The Hebrew would suggest here an athlete. An athlete. Someone who's, 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 who's a specimen, who's a physical specimen, who, who is just in shape and just, I mean, just even him. The football player at NC State, UNC Chapel Hill, uh, plays for the Hurricanes. I mean, even the athlete can get tired. All of us need God's strength, in other words. And then notice what he says. God, no matter who you are, gives power. He gives power. And we can find strength in his power. He gives three pictures in verse 31, and we'll close. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Okay? Now look at the three pictures. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. That's the first picture of an eagle. So God gives us power to soar. He gives us power to soar. We will be like the eagle... And we'll mount up with wings 
like eagles. Now, we don't have time to get into all of this, but real quickly, have you ever seen an eagle soar? I mean, it, to me, it's, I can't think of any, anything more incredible to, than to see an eagle uh, I'm about to say snore, soar. I've never seen an eagle snore, but soar. I was driving one day going to speak up in Boone, North Carolina, and, um, and in the fall it set in, the leaves had changed, and I was just admiring just the scenery, and I looked out my driver's window, there's this eagle-like soaring. And it was just beautiful to see this eagle soar. And he was dipping down and go up and dip down. And, and, and what seemed to be maybe five minutes, I don't know, I'm watching this eagle as I'm driving. And as I'm driving over this maybe five minutes, so it seemed like the eagle was getting closer, you know. And I'm like, wow. I mean, this is one of these moments where you ought to have like a camera, you know. And, uh, and, and, and this eagle is just soaring. And, and then the eagle got closer and closer, and I got beginning to get a little bit afraid. Y'all ever see the movie uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, The Birds? I'm just, oh, you know, is he, is he, going, is he after me, you know? Because he's getting closer and closer. But what it was, there was something dead on the side of the road. This eagle was swooping down to this dead animal. And I don't even remember what it was. And I learned, later learned that an eagle can see a prey or something dead from five miles away. That's pretty incredible. I mean, so they're up there flying, and they look five miles, and there's like a rabbit, and they, they can swoop down. Incredible. Eagles, when they, when, when they fly, an eagle is so strong, an eagle can fly through a storm. I mean, it can fly right into it and right through it. You've been on an airplane, there's turbulence. Eagle can fly right through turbulence. I mean, an eagle is an incredible bird. Not only that, an eagle can fly above a storm. Here's the picture that maybe Isaiah is giving to us, that God will strengthen you and I that we might fly through and above the storms of life. I mean, we all face storms. There's difficulties. I don't know anybody that's alive, that's, that's a follower of Jesus Christ, that isn't experiencing some kind of difficulty. But here's the thing. The issue is not the difficulty. See, I like to focus on the difficulty, but what I need to do is focus on the God who gives me power to soar even through difficulties. He'll give you power to soar through storms. To soar through them and above them. That's the first picture he gives. He gives his power to soar. He gives his power, secondly, to sprint. Notice he says, they shall run and not be weary. So he gives us another picture. Now it's of a runner. And every time I, I think about this, this, this verse, I think about a friend of mine by the name of Sandy Roberts. Sandy is a runner. He went to Broughton. He ran at Georgetown and also NC State. Sandy is incredibly fast. Loves Christ, Christian brother. I knew him through Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Sandy was at Cardinal Gibbons several years back when he was training for the Olympics. And Sandy uh, was running the mile, and his goal was to run it in four minutes or less. And so they had the cameras on, and, and, and they, they shoot the gun. Sandy just takes off. And y'all, listen, you can get this on YouTube. YouTube, Sandman One Mile. Sandy Roberts, it'll come up. And Sandy's running, and it's like, Y'all, he was sprinting four laps. It was like he was sprinting the whole time. And I'm sitting there watching, especially the first time I watched it. I'm like, how does he run like this and not get tired? I mean, he's running and he's sprinting the whole thing. Incredible. And even after he finished the fourth lap, I mean, the way he was going, he could have kept going. I mean, you know, and then the picture here is one who can run with all their might 
and not get tired. Endurance. That's the picture. And God has given all of us a race to run. Hebrews 12, go and read it, one through two. And we're to run this course God has set before us. Lay aside everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. You may know that passage. And we're to run with what? What does it say? Endurance, yes. And the picture here is God gives us the endurance, though. God gives us the endurance. What race has he called you to run? And you might say, man, Pastor Pete, you just don't know, man. It's tough what I got going on, what I'm at, where I'm at, what I'm doing. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine that it is. But here's the great thing. God gives us the endurance to run. I used to think, I don't know if I can really be a pastor. Because when I started our church, I had 20 sermons, 20. And like a microwave, whenever I went somewhere, I would just put them in the microwave, heat them up for about three minutes, and then bring them out and go preach it. I had these 20 messages I just recycled whenever I would go preach. And by the way, this is not one of those recycled messages. <laughs> Actually, this is the second time outside of my church that I've preached this message. But I used to think, man, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, and we started our church, and I preached those 20 sermons, and then I thought, what am I going to do now? <laughs> I just preached all my 20 sermons. And you know what? God gives you endurance. God gives you the strength you need. I thought, man, it's no way I can preach to the same people and say something different every week. It's no way I can do that. Oh, yeah, you can. With God's strength, not your own. And he gives you the endurance. So what is it that, that where is it that God has called you to run? And are you running well, not because of you, but because he gives you strength to sprint. He gives you strength to endure. Last thing. He gives you sprint to stroll. He gives you strength to stroll or power to stroll. I need another S, stroll here. Uh, picture of someone walking. He says here in the text, they shall walk and not faint. And the picture of a walk in the Bible uh, really captures our entire Christian life. Oftentimes, as we speak about the Christian life, we, we, we refer to it as a walk. He's walking with the Lord. She's walking with the Lord. What's your walk with the Lord like? We, we use that kind of terminology, and it's a picture of, of our entire Christian life, our walking with Christ, our, our being in fellowship with him. And guess what? He gives us the strength to walk with him. I used to think it depended on me. Yeah, we got to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I get that. But you know what? It's, it's, it's God that gives us the very strength to live the Christian life and to walk with him in the first place. Isn't that good of God to do? He calls us to walk with him, but then he says, I'm going to give you the strength to walk with me. And he gives us strength. So today, I pray you'll be encouraged today. If you're tired, if you're weary, if you're discouraged, if you're in, a, in despair, there's strength when we're weary. And it comes from the person of God, the provision of God. And then the very power of God, he will give us the strength that we need. And to, today, as we close, maybe you're here. I encourage you, if you're a visitor for the first time, come back and hear Pastor Scott. Come back and hear Pastor Scott. You'll be blessed by hearing him. But maybe if you're a visitor today and, and, and maybe you're, you're here and maybe you're not a Christian. And maybe it's the first time you're hearing the gospel. Here, here, here's the exciting thing about the gospel to me. The Bible says in Romans 5 verse 6. When we were without strength, 
In due time, Jesus died for the ungodly. You see, some people try to, try to get to God on their own strength. They try to perform. They try to quit doing this or quit doing that, but, but, but we don't have the strength. And while we were weak, powerless, without strength, in due time, Jesus died on the cross for us. Amen. Amen. And when he died on the cross for us, if we'll come to him and say, God, I don't have strength. I've tried to make it on my own. I've tried to get to you. I've tried to please you. I've tried to, to, to stop doing this and stop doing that and start doing this and start doing that. But, God, I don't have the strength. But I thank you that when I was without strength, Jesus died for me in, in due time. And if you'll come to him and do two things, repent is the first thing. That means stop, turn around, change directions, and then believe. Repent and believe. Believe in Jesus that he died on the cross for you. He'll, he'll save you. And that's the great thing about our God. He loves us so much. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, that even in the midst of our weariness and our fatigue, when we're discouraged and when we're in despair, you're a God who reminds us of how great you are. And then you provide the power and the strength for us to live and to do and to be all you want us to be. Father, I pray that you would help us to not have our eyes on ourselves and our struggles as much as we have our eyes on you. You are a great, awesome God. Thank you. And then, God, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us all when we were without strength. Out without power. And so, God, I pray for the one that may be here that has never, ever trusted you and never, ever repented of their sins. Would you give them the grace today to talk to Pastor John or, or maybe someone on the praise team or one of the other elders here today? Talk to me. I would love to have that conversation about what it means to know Christ as Savior. And as John said, for their life to be transformed. That's what we want. And only you can do that, God. So, Lord, would you move and would you work in Jesus' name? Amen.